The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. Just that microphone. What's going on, guys? My Take Radio, episode 374, powered by Rageworks, broadcasting live Thursday, October 13th, 2016. I'm your host, Rich, and our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number, 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning into My Take Radio, My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. On Wednesday nights, same start time, 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8.30 p.m. Pacific, as this week's episode, and we cover MMA and wrestling. Thursday nights, we shift gears, jump into some gaming, some entertainment, and sometimes a little tech sprinkled in for good measure. This show, as well as any of our other live shows, are on mtrlive.com. Full video feed, plus a full chat room, and audio-only feeds as well. In addition to that, this show is simulcast via video to YouTube Live, Twitch, StreamUp, Vaughn Live, Ustream, and Daily Motion. In addition to that, there is an audio feed that's simulcast to Mixler, which you can listen to on your mobile device by downloading the Mixler app, M-I-X-L-R. Punch it in for either Apple or iOS devices, and you'll be able to listen to the show live in 96K stereo. Just punch in My Take Radio. And if you're a fan of Black is the New Black with Ben and Taylor, you can also punch in that, subscribe, and not only will you be able to listen to the live shows, but you will also get um, notifications when we are on air. Just another way for you to access the show on the go. In addition to that, of course, archived episodes of this show are available in podcast format, on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. And video, of course, is on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash official RageWorks. All right, we got lots on deck today. Uh, A couple of things I want to get into. I definitely want to bring Slick in on the gaming side of things because he's been playing a couple of new games and being involved in a couple of different uh, aspects of what's going on in this week's gaming news. So we'll get into that. I got a couple of things to discuss. I want to give you guys some of my impressions on the PlayStation VR, which recently released. And in addition to that, 
I want to talk about some of the other games that have come out that I will be probably working on very soon uh, in terms of reviews. And of course, we're going to get into all the entertainment stuff as usual. But before we get this ball rolling, we are going to get into some housekeeping first. Uh, first and foremost, broadcast updates. Uh, next week, there will be no live shows as we will be preparing for the Photo Plus Expo, the Synology Conference, and a couple of other things. So with that said, there will be no MTR Live next week. Of course, we got plenty of programming to keep you uh, on your toes and entertained. Of course, you'll be able to catch new episodes of the regular season sportscast and Josie's Boys Call Me When It's Over. Plus, there's also Black is the New Black and, of course, our newest edition, The Variant Issue, which is already off and running uh, with the first episode with myself and Jimbo Slice, breaking down all the latest happenings in comics and collectibles as only we can. I mean, if you guys enjoy what we do on My Take Radio, you're definitely going to appreciate The Variant Issue. In addition, if you're a comic fan, um, not saying... Not saying that you should tune in or you must tune in, but it's worth a listen. Everybody who's checked it out has said nothing but great things. Um, you know, Jimbo Slice and I have been friends for a long time. We share a lot of the same interests, and we're approaching the variant issue the same way. Real casual, just just two dudes talking shop, uh, having some laughs in the process, and we hope that you guys uh, enjoy it as much as we enjoyed recording it. And I got to say, the feedback has been nothing but positive. Shout out to Javon Lewis, who hit me up on Twitter. And shout out to all the people that have been hitting up Jimbo Slice and giving him kudos for his work on the variant issue, which is currently available on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. And while we are on that subject, a lot of you guys have been going to iTunes and punching in My Take Radio to get all the shows. Well, I'm happy to report that... The My Take Radio name is being changed officially on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio to the RageWorks Network. Uh, it is currently transitioning gradually. Each each service is going to update at its own pace. iTunes has been particularly troublesome because it updates the description first, then the title second, and maybe the picture third. And it's been it's been a big pain in the ass because. It'll say like my take radio, but the description will be uh, the RageWorks network and all shows. Um, just a, a big pain in the ass, but bear with us through the transition period. I know a couple of you guys have reached out via social to let me know about it, and we're definitely trying to make sure it is on the up and up. Nonetheless, pretty soon, hopefully with it by by next week, if everything gets finalized, you'll be able to just punch in the RageWorks network and get all of our shows. Last but not least, I know a lot of you guys would like to subscribe to individual shows. A couple of ways you can do that. You can take the RSS feed for each show, which I may be putting an FAQ or a walkthrough on the site for any of you that aren't super tech savvy to grab. You can take the RSS feed, punch it into iTunes, and you'll be able to access each of the individual shows if you so choose. But we hope you guys will just subscribe to the network feed and enjoy all of our programming. I feel that I feel very confident in saying that there is something for everyone, whether it's, you know, relationships, lifestyle and entertainment from Josie's boy or sports and wrestling and all the usual stuff. Fantasy sports also 
with Jay Santi and TRSS or hip hop sports and nerd shit as Ben and Taylor like to call it with black is the new black. And of course we hit you with MMA and wrestling gaming and entertainment. And of course myself and Jimbo slice cover comics. So, you know, I think, I think we've pretty much touched on everything that we cover on Rageworks with our programming. We really hope you check out all the shows and feel free to hit me up rich at rageworks.net and share any input feedback or if you're interested in working with us whether it's advertising um writing for the site whatever the case may be we're always looking for fresh and you know risk taking talent i think that the team that we have currently assembled is a great mix of personalities that each bring something unique to the brand and you know i'm just i'm just really excited to see where all this stuff has been going uh, over the last couple of weeks i know you know, I come on air, I give you guys a brief glimpse into some of the back, you know, backstage or behind the scenes stuff. But, you know, I want to share that stuff with you, number one, for the sake of transparency, but number two, because it's a give and take. We give you guys great content. You give us your time, your ears, your eyes to enjoy that content. So, you know, we got to respect that. And because of that, I did want to say something and this, you know, it's something we're, we're working on and we're going to try and finalize very soon. And that is the broadcasting to Facebook live. I know a lot of people have been, you know, really, really not adamant, but definitely on top of us being set up to broadcast on Facebook live. And while I've said before, I'd love to do it. The, the logistics have been difficult, but I've been talking to Dave Foster and Luria Petrucci from live streaming pros who have been doing daily shows on Facebook. They're really cool. Um, if you're interested in doing any sort of live streaming outside of gaming, uh, definitely, definitely look up the live streaming pros. Uh, both David and Luria have been incredibly helpful in pointing me in the right direction. And we're going to be able to start implementing some of the stuff that they've passed our way very soon. Now, does this necessarily mean streaming my take radio on Facebook will become a reality. That is the goal. But in addition to that, we're also going to start testing out maybe doing live streaming and uh, game streaming directly to our respective Facebook pages. I know that our very own slick does a lot of streaming on YouTube. I've been trying to do some more stuff on Twitch and, you know, trying to grab people from the warm embrace of Facebook is a pain in the ass I know our, uh, I know Slick can attest to that, but you know if this all comes to fruition, we should be able to even stream directly to Facebook via Facebook Live, whether it's to the RageWorks fan page, the RageWorks group page, and hell, even my own personal Facebook page, which I know some of you guys have been sending me friend requests. Please do not take this the wrong way. I try to keep the people that are on my friends list as people that I interact with either virtually on a consistent basis or face-to-face, plus obviously my, my close friends and family, but you can follow. I did add a, the, you know, I did activate the follow function on my Facebook page. You're free to follow it. We, I share a lot of the stuff for the site on my personal page via public updates, and you guys can check that stuff out, but please don't take it the wrong way. If I don't accept your friend request or if I don't you know, reach out to you directly, it's only because... I'm trying to keep it a little more tight knit and, you know, people are like, oh, well, you know, you should just create a personality Facebook fan page. And 
I'm not fucking gassed on myself. Oh, I'm going to create a fan page for myself. Nope. Not that serious. You know, if, if I interact with you on a consistent basis or, you know, we, we've met face to face, you know, real world interactions or just a, a cool vibe, then sure, you know, by all means, you, you'll, I will approve that friend request. But a lot of times people who go and they won't even, they'll send a friend request and I'll be like, who are you? At least let me know, hey, I listened to the show or whatever, or I, you know, I subscribed here or X, Y, and Z. You know, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be a tight ass about it, but I'm also not going to be, um, you know, just letting any old person on my page because, like I said, it's my personal page first and foremost, but, you know, it's just another way for people to interact uh, with the Rageworks brand outside of, of course, uh, the regular Rageworks page and the group. But, I always point people to the group if they want to really interact. I think we got a really good community in there and it's continuing to grow at a pretty steady pace. As always, you know, please, please feel free to join, participate in the conversation. Everything we talk about on the site and on air is pretty much touched upon in the group. Like I said, Slick is in there uh, holding it down, moderating, doing what he's got to do. So don't piss him off because he will promptly send you on your merry way. But, um, you know, like I said, I'm just very happy with the direction we're going. A lot of great stuff on the horizon. Like I said, quick recap, there won't, there will not be live MTR broadcast next week. Uh, for the month of November, I think we're going to probably do shows the first three weeks or two weeks. Then we're going to take off the week of Thanksgiving. And obviously, we'll go into December, do maybe one week or two in December, and then we'll take a break until the beginning of the year. But nonetheless, um, just want to keep you guys up to speed on everything we got going on so that nobody is surprised, shocked, etc. But um, in any case, let's get to it. Let's jump into this week's gaming, shall we? So I want to start with some initial impressions on a couple of things that have come out this week. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Gears of War 4, which is incredibly, incredibly fun, well done, and definitely a great flagship title for Xbox. I think that they have definitely uh, stepped it up with this game. You know, we talk about on air a lot of times games that will that will move systems, and Gears of War is one of those games right up there with Halo. These, these are series that... They bring you in, not just with multiplayer, but sometimes with really tight storytelling. That's one of the things that kept me invested in Gears. Uh, it was the deeper narrative, the bigger stories that were going on, you know, whether it was the relationship between Dom and Marcus or Marcus and his team. There were, there were a lot of really great dynamics there that I really, really, really enjoyed. I mean, even Gears of War Judgment, which obviously I felt was a dedicated DLC game, but you know, it was it was enjoyable, that's for sure. I gotta say this, Gears of War 4 definitely ups the ante, incredibly well done, and just really fun. I haven't jumped into the multiplayer, but if you've been on the fence about it, I invite you guys to check out uh, Danny's review on Royal Flush Magazine's website and keep an eye out for our review on RageWorks.net. Um, again, just a, a really, really solid game, and that's a, my quick assessment from you know the the amount of time I've had to play it, but it's it's been a blast. Also, WWE 2K17 dropped. Uh, keep an eye out for some really 
great commentary from Jay Santi on TRSS, who is also playing that game. And, um, you know, I played a little bit of it and I like what I'm seeing. I like some of the stuff they've done. It has some glitches, has a couple of clunky things going on, but, um, definitely, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a good idea. I mean, it's a good, it's good execution, but it does have its quirks, which, you know, obviously when we put together our review, you will know about that as well. Uh, last but not least, got to talk about the PlayStation VR, which dropped, um, you know, virtual reality is a very, very weird and slippery slope for me. I say this because we're, we're still learning to harness the capabilities of a lot of the stuff that we currently have at our disposal. You know, three, 360 degree video, live streaming from any mobile device. We're still fine tuning and constantly improving on that. And VR for me personally I just feel in terms of utilizing it for a gaming experience, it's okay. I just feel that it's not in a stage of immersion that's completely and utterly necessary. That does not mean that it's not fun. And if you got the money and you want to check it out, you shouldn't. I just feel that, you know, Oculus, HTC Vive, all these different uh, VR, you know, providers have, they all bring something good to the, unique to the table but I just feel that Sony Sony seems to have it a bit more fine-tuned from an entertainment perspective. And I got to say, it's, you know, it, what the demos I've done with the different types of VR, whether it's the HTC Vive, the Oculus, um, Samsung's VR headsets with the, with the phones, and even with the PlayStation VR, they're all not perfect, but they each have different things that are enjoyable. I mean, for me... I'm not 100% sold on sitting in my living room or my bedroom with this giant headset on my face fucking sweating for hours on end. I, I know, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk has said that VR in his eyes is when you put on like a contact, you know, a contact lens and you can get, you know, you can get that beam directly to your brain or um, going as far as like augmented reality, which we've seen utilized pretty effectively with Pokemon Go, being able to see something like that where, you know, you have a contact lens on your eye and you're able to look around and see um, certain things, certain addresses, uh, certain types of wildlife. If you're at a zoo or plants, if you're out camping or, you know, doing any sort of bird watching, like there's different applications, obviously, you know, from a military application, there's plenty of things being able to have night vision uh, in the contact lens itself, all kinds of crazy shit. And again, it's all sci-fi future tech stuff, but that's what I think of when we talk about VR, the matrix, all this other shit, you know, because that's how everybody looks at it. It's like, Oh, we're almost on the, on the, on the verge of, of being plugged into the matrix. We are nowhere near that, but I got to say that, for, you know, somebody like who, somebody who's looking to get into VR is, you know, it's it's not it's not really that great. I mean, to I, I see King Jimmy in the chat. He says VR is weak as fuck currently. And I don't disagree with that in terms of an entertainment application. It's just another way to get people's money for for me. You know, like I said, the Vive, the Oculus, even the um the PlayStation VR, they're all fun excursions you know fun ways to to entertain yourself but they're nowhere near 
what people are hoping for. Everybody wants, you know, the Matrix, fucking Minority Report, crazy shit like that. Nowhere near it. Nowhere near it. Everybody's like, oh, well, you know, it'd be cool. You put on a VR headset and you're sitting in a stadium watching a football game or a soccer match. And I say to those people, are you going to sit through an NFL game for two or three hours with this headset on your fucking face? Are you going to do it? Are you going to sit there with this with this thing, with this giant thing on your face? Uh, number one, your face is going to sweat because when we did the HTC Vive demo, when we went to see the HTC 10 when it launched, we, um, you know, I tried it out with Danny from Royal Flush. And again, you know, you have it on your face. It's hot. You have this big wire. You're trying to do all the stuff. You're trying to make it fun. And it, it it's OK. You know, it's it's. It's fun, but is it one of those things where you're going to see yourself plugged in and playing it every day? I just I just don't see it. I really don't see it. And, you know, PlayStation came out of the gate swinging with, with the VR. You know, they got the, the controllers. They got some pretty fun demos. And interestingly enough, uh, Super Data Research published a piece which was shared on Game Informer that said that the prediction was that the PlayStation VR unit will sell over 2 million units by the end of the year. That's a, that's a pretty sizable amount of sales. You can't, you can't sweep that under the rug. Um, Super Data bases this on the fact that Sony currently has an install base of 44 million people that own a PlayStation 4. According to the company... They're saying that PlayStation VR will benefit from this. It was all, it has also set up 500,000 demo opportunities around the country, which will help, according to super data research, it will help or, you know, get people inclined to pre-order. Eh. Like I said, I tried to, I tried to demo on a multiple occasions to see if my opinion is, you know, it's okay. And it's funny because... Slick says, if it connects with browsers and Naughty America, then it will sell. And uh, King Jimmy adds, why VR isn't supported in every first-person game, PS4 game, is beyond me. And that right there is exactly what I'm talking about. You know, everybody's like, oh, look at this virtual roller coaster, or look at this, you know, this magic demo, or whatever other nonsense. Um, and, you know, King Jimmy makes a valid point. If you started saying, hey... You're going to be able to play Battlefield or Call of Duty, and you're going to be fully immersed in the experience once you put on that VR headset. There's there's a big market there. Again, it's it's that you know that that cost of entry that's a couple of hundred bucks. It's it's not appealing at first, but if you start giving people ways to truly enjoy it, then you're going to grasp a different a different audience. You're going to grasp those people that are early adopters that want to jump in. And to Slick's point, it is partially the devs and not the PS4, but you know what it is? At this rate, any game that's being released should consider PlayStation 4 VR functionality. I know they've been trying to do that with a lot of upcoming titles that they've announced, and I think that it, the potential is there, but I definitely feel that leveraging first-person shooters primarily will help get people interested in VR. Uh, with that said, I'm going to bring in Slicks to add to this conversation, and we're going to go through the gaming news as well. Mr. Slick, what's up? What's up, man? This, this PlayStation VR situation, you know, King Jimmy said 
No Man's Sky goes from boring to engaging just because you can move the camera with your head. Um, you know, I think he th- there's a lot of valid impl- you know ways to implement VR, and I think PlayStation's kind of doing a lot of the more softer stuff, like oh, you could do this and magic, and you could see fucking animals, and that's great. But two things stuck out. Number one, what you said about obviously pornography, and the thing is pornography even though people don't like to admit it influences a lot of you know early adoption of certain technologies this is what set the stage for vhs dvd blu-ray over hd dvd once the adult film industry chooses the medium it kind of just shifts the pendulum toward that medium and you know uh, vr is in one of those situations where uh, you know Danny went to E3 and she mentioned to me, you know, that Pete, that they were demoing adult content on VR. Is it right? Is it wrong? It depends. But I still feel that, you know, you got this giant headset strapped to your, you know, this giant headpiece strapped to your head, regardless of what you're doing, whether you're fucking, you know, choking your chicken or, or playing a game. It's just, I just don't see the comfort, but if the headsets get lighter uh, they get smaller, which like any technology, that's what's going to happen. You know, it's it, I can see it being successful. But I also look back on motion gaming. You know, everybody jumped into the motion gaming pool. You know that with Kinect, PlayStation Move, et cetera, et cetera. And now it's like Microsoft is selling Xboxes without the Kinect anymore. And, you know, the PlayStation Move is more is utilized more for streaming and for other stuff than for for any real motion gaming well aren't they using the playstation move with the playstation vr the what aren't they using the playstation yes with the playstation vr yes they are okay but um it's i mean vr honestly i i believe the only reason why vr is even staying afloat right now and it's unfortunate, but it's because of porn, because they tried to bring out VR multiple times in the past and it's failed. But now that it's, it's like you said earlier, porn is, has pretty much embraced it. And that's why anybody even gives a shit about it right now. You know, King Jimmy says Samsung S seven mixed with a gear headset is the best way to go. And I got to say, I've tried the gear headset with the note Four when it was out. And, you know, later on with the Note 5, with the with the Galaxy headsets. And I got to admit, it is a it is an easier cost to enter into VR. And that's the that's a that's a big that's a big situation. And the reason I say that is because think about it. Um, What is the PlayStation 4 VR bundle? What is it? Five hundred bucks for the move controller, the move controllers, the camera and the headset, right? I'm checking right now. The reason I say this is because think about it, 500 bucks. That's 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 more than a console at this point. Now, to King Jimmy's point in the chat, think about it. You go, you get a Gear VR headset, whether you get it free with your mobile purchase, which they did with the Note 7, rest in peace Note 7. Um they were you, you actually the got VR the VR by itself is 400. The bundle is 500. There you go. So the headset is 400. The bundle is five. So, you know, well, you can get a gear VR headset for a hundred bucks. I think it, I believe it. I've seen it from 150 to a hundred. I think it's a hundred currently. 
in a couple of retailers I've seen. And if you have a, you know, a note device or a Samsung Galaxy S7, you just pop it in and you get a VR experience. Obviously, it's not going to be as insane as what they're trying to push with the Sony experience, but you are getting an easier cost of entry where, you know, we spend a hundred bucks on bullshit, you know, let's not kid ourselves that there you go. Uh, King Jimmy adds Amazon sometimes sells it for 50 bones. So think about that for 50 bucks, you can fuck around with VR. And if you get tired of it, you can sell it or, you know, pass it on to somebody else that has it. It is an easy, it is a more easily digestible cost of entry. It's very difficult for me personally, and again, this is just me as for the example, to drop 500 bucks to throw, you know, to shoot a virtual bow and arrow. I'm, I'm using an extreme. Everybody's, an ex- doing, everybody's doing, doing what they can to try to promote it. I mean, right now, the, um, the phone that we spoke about earlier today, the, um, the Google Pixel and Pixel Excel, they say if you pre-order it, They'll give you the the daydream VR headset for free, right? And the daydream think, view. Excuse me. Well, think about that. You you know uh, you're buying a phone, and they're giving you Google's VR experience for free. Again, you're not going to get this mind blowing crazy VR, but the quasi, you know, the quasi enjoyable version that doesn't require a dozen different things and half your living room and all this other shit. It's it's a it's a very easy barrier to to overcome. If you tell somebody, "Hey, you want to try VR for fifty bucks?" Very few people are gonna say no. Hey, the thing that of that, course it always it, it never hurts when they say you want to try it for free, though. Of course, but like you know, to go back to 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 some of the comments, it's it's like I said, going into the outlets that will get the biggest traction is key. You know, first person shooters. Um, you know, things where you, where you really need to be part of an immersive experience. I mean, the Batman VR demo looked pretty cool. I don't know how many people really want to fucking be Batman like that. Uh, You know, again, that's, that's all about people's preference. But for me, I think first person shooters would be crazy. You get dropped in, you're seeing the entire map around you. You're not, you don't got to run around your house while you're doing it. But it's essentially you looking through the headset and not looking at the TV and still using your controller. I think that type of an experience would be leveraged a lot better than some of the other stuff they got out there. I mean, the HTC Vive stuff, when I did the demo, it was plugged into this giant tower uh, in the Microsoft store. And, you know, you're holding the controllers. And I hate to say it, but if you've ever watched people doing VR demos, you look and feel like a complete jackass. I'm being honest, man. I mean, I took a lot of photos when I did the VR demo when I was with with Danny at the HTC event, and I didn't even want to put them up. I'm like, yo, I look like a fucking like a like a clown right now. Yeah, but you gotta. That's the the first thing you gotta do is like forget about what you look like and worry more about what you're seeing. True. I would since for the most part you're gonna be doing this in your home, so who cares? Right, but but what I'm saying is. Think about the amount of real estate you need. I mean, if you if you've been to a Microsoft store recently and you've seen the VR demos, you see the amount of space that's 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 cord that's cordoned off for people to do these demos. I mean, that was a big that was a big issue with the Connect. 
you know, that you needed a fuckload of space to really enjoy it. That's because people were breaking their TVs and their furniture. I, I, I got to say. <laughs> and thing e- with the Wii. True, but, le- but this is one thing I got to say that Nintendo got right. When Nintendo released the Wii, obviously minus the hand strap and people throwing the controller through their fucking system, I felt that Nintendo had the best execution of motion gaming at the time. You know how many hours of Wii Sports yeah, I, I played? No it joke. It wasn't perfect, but it was fun, and that, that's the bottom line. Exactly, and that's exactly it, fun. You know, it's like if, 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 if for you to have fun with VR, you require this, you know, this giant uncomfortable headset and 19 feet of space in your living room, that shit is not for you. That's it. And I don't care how people try to spin it. Oh, you know, it's Bob. You need fucking space. Stop playing yourself. Absolutely. That's that's how I see it. Now, the reason I was, you know, talking to you, wanted to bring you on board also, um, Batman, the Telltale series, third episode of five, the New World Order is dropping October 25th. I know you've been playing the game quite a bit and um all I hear is is extremely positive stuff. I mean, all the stuff you've showcased for the game makes me want to get involved. I just haven't had a chance to sit down and do it. But I got to tell you, Telltale Games has done a stellar, stellar job with this series. My only gripe is, you know, as a long time, not super long, not from the very beginning, but a couple of years now, a long time Telltale fan, they've been... um kind of cutting corners in terms of storytelling. Okay. Like, if you take the first season of The Walking Dead... Right. You you really, like... I mean, they're, they're, especially now, it's cheap. It's dirt cheap right now. But you really get your money's worth in terms of getting that story. The um, And I agree, King Jimmy. It is a must-buy. Hopefully, I... Uh, that's another issue. I will talk about that later. But um, it's dirt cheap. But if you look at the first season of The Walking Dead, like episode one, first of all, there's no way to speed run a Telltale game. Nope. Let's, let's get that out of the way right now. But just like episode one of the first season of The Walking Dead will take you a minimum of like two to three hours. Right. And each episode will take you roughly that long. So it's, you know, upwards of 15, maybe 20 hours of gameplay. It's, you know, if you're adding in the, the 400 days DLC, which crosses over into the second season. The second season, the episodes are roughly the same length. So it really, like, you play one episode and you really feel like you, you, you played a game. Right. Not just like, okay, when's the next episode coming out? But and, and I'm not saying anything bad about like the um the Michonne story or even Batman now, but they're a lot shorter. Like I finished episode two, like like I said, you can't speed run these games. Right. And I don't speed run games. I played through the live stream, it lasted just over an hour. I'm like it was a fun, it was a, a very enjoyable story, but I'm like, damn. Well, I and think yes, King Jimmy. I, I the the end of season one of Walking Dead was rough for me. I'll I tell you, told Rich, I was like, that game fucked me up. I'll, t- I'll tell you, you know, it's funny b- between your coverage of it and then a couple of people I knew that were playing it. 
by the time I saw it, I was just fucking, I was like, wow, they really took it to another level, you know? The Walking Dead stuff was crazy. And that's the thing. Next next month, I believe, um, we get the return of, of Clementine. Right. And depending upon how you ended season two, <clears throat> excuse me, how you ended season two, because there were some choices, you may or may not see certain people. There you go. Now, while we're on the subject of, you know, narrative narratives and, and games that are episodic, you know, one of the things that really piqued my interest was the concept of the Friday the 13th game, which I don't know how familiar you are with it, but it was, you know, crowdfunded through Kickstarter, hit 700,000, and um, it fell short of the 1.6 million stretch goal, which would have added single player gameplay. But a lot of people were excited because it was a really forward thinking approach to a game with, you know, to a, you know, to a game involving a guy that fucking kills, you know, that basically kills everybody he comes across. So I was really excited at the concept. I liked what I saw. I liked the video demo. I was actually contemplating putting money towards the Kickstarter and then I just fucking forgot about it like an asshole. But in any case, the game got funded. It was supposed to be scheduled to hit fall 2016. Unfortunately, the game is going to be in early 2017 because the developers want to add new features, including the single player experience. So they're going to add a lot of fan requested features to the game, plus the single player experience. And I think, you know, for games like this, obviously there's always going to be it, it, like, I got to say this. I know that you've done, um, what the fuck is the, um, left for dead that you do where sometimes you're, you're the monster and the people you're playing with are the people that are, that are trying to hunt you down. Right. Right. So, I would love the concept of Friday the 13th where you can set up a lobby where one person is going to randomly be Jason every time and everybody else either has to try to stop him or not get killed. Well, that's what the game originally was going to right. be, and that was why I personally had issue with it. I mean, I don't knock it, but I'm I'm not, you know, you all can crucify me. I'm not a Friday the 13th fan. Right, but, but my issue with the game wasn't that. My issue was... It's asymmetric multiplayer. Thank you, Kim Jimmy. It's how it's it's just like Evolve. I'm right. Like, if all you're gonna do is have four teenagers, four campers versus Jason all the time, it's gonna get old real fucking quick. Because at least Evolve had different monsters. Well, it's funny too and, because you know these. Are, go ahead, not to cut you off. Go ahead. No, I'm glad they're adding a, a single player element and you know adding more stuff because. It would have been great for a game like that to come out on Halloween, even though that's a Monday and games usually come out on Tuesday. Right. But I'm glad they're doing more with it. Well, you know, everybody was asking about AI controlled bots, obviously, for, for that experience. People want to put some of the more iconic characters from the movies like Tommy Jarvis, um, who was in Final Chapter, New Beginning, Jason Lives. Um, I definitely think that the concept is there. And I, I like the the you know the fan request for playable you know for ai bots because to your point it's like you're not always going to be able to get a lobby full of people but i also think that it would be kind of fun to to you know pop into random lobbies just to, to mix it up with people because it adds think about this if you've played let me let me rephrase that if you've watched friday the 13th films it's usually either a group of friends or 
a group of friends and people that get mixed up in the situation. And I think that would be a cool way to do it where you can be the guy that gets dropped in and you can be a cop that comes to answer a call and all of a sudden, you know, you walk into a house and everybody's dead and then you join in the game as the cop trying to help the kids get out. You know what I mean? There's so many different elements you can go with, but you have to dig a little bit into the source material, which I think, you know, these guys were doing. I just, I really want to see a full, obviously all the game foot, you know, all the trailers and video and stuff that we've seen look amazing, but how many times have we seen games that look amazing and are complete shit wet? We're looking at you. <laughs> or or just letting letting me down. Right. Or, or I'm looking at you. Oh man. That that's a that's a big salvo from you, man, with watchdogs. Yeah, because I went hard for that game. You did. A will be soft did not uh honor my request. That's a whole other issue. B I you know, I, I ran out and got the game the, the night before it drops, and it's a good game. It's not a bad game. It just didn't live up to the hype at all. Right, and I think that that's one of those things where you look at licenses, you look at some of this stuff, and it looks great. Then you see it, and you're like, oh, man, this is amazing. And then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, this game is shit. Um, you know, it's funny. King Jimmy in the chat says, wet was decent. You know what was funny? When I rented it, I got it through Gamefly, and I played through most of the game, and I was like, eh, it's all right. But I also said to myself, this game shouldn't be full price ever. <laughs> so there is that. And, and that's, we made fun of that game for about a year and a half that it was still too expensive. You know, you know, uh, there, was, there was a game I played. I want to say it was the, on the PlayStation 2. You may n- remember this game. Do you remember a game called The Mark of Cree? Yes. It was done Disney style, super violent. I remember it. So I, I'm bringing up that game because the Mark of Cree was one of those games that when I saw it, I'm like, ah, oh, this looks fucking cartoony. Eh. Then I played it and I was just like, holy shit, they went in on this game. And that's what I mean. When you look at a game like you look at Mark of Cree, then you look at Splatterhouse. Remember the, the Splatterhouse remake? The Splatterhouse remake was yeah. just an excuse for you to do some of the craziest shit possible. Was it great? No. Was it fun? Yeah. You know, would I ever, would I have gone and paid $60 for it? Definitely not. And that's what happens. Like sometimes you look at games and it's all about the value you're going to get out of it. Some people are going to, are going to look at a game like Splatterhouse and be like, I'm not paying $60 for that. And they're partially right. But (laughs) King Jimmy says the Splatterhouse remake is one of the worst games he's ever played. (laughs) <laughs> i didn't i didn't hate the game i just felt that the game real like they kind of you know how some people talk about movies not taking themselves seriously like that game was just taking yeah. any any remote possibility of being taken seriously and shoving it out the fucking window because <laughs> that's what that game did there's nothing serious about that game at all i've you know i've played it's i've funny that you go ahead go ahead, go ahead. no no go ahead, go ahead finish your point no, I'm saying it's funny that you you mention um, value in terms of of is the game worth the the manufacturer suggested retail, right? Because um, okay, we are officially in Friday. We're now a week removed from the release of Mafia Three. Okay, which um, much like much like WWE 2K17, uh, 2K games. What's the word I'm looking for, Rich? 
Glitches? It's the glitches that it gitches? It's the glitches that it gitches. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't... Yeah, they, they, they kind of shit on us. But that's, again, that's a whole other issue. Right. Um. Anyway, I, I do not yet own Mafia 3, but between my friend uh, that I've mentioned before, the, the YouTube streamer Vanilla Beast, and our very own uh, Ben from Black is the New Black, I've seen more than half of the game as far as gameplay, side missions, collectibles, stuff like that. The, um, I'm going to disagree with that, King Jimmy, but I'm going to get to that in a moment. Um, the game itself is beautiful. Yes, that they it put is. put a lot of work into the look of the game. And that's, that's on PS4, because obviously, you know, it's going to look better on PC, a, a high-end PC with all the specs blowing out the water and all that crap. But the game is beautiful, even on a console. That said, I mean, they put a lot of work into, they got the look of New Orleans. They got the feel of New Orleans in the 60s, the late 60s. And, you know, they, they took everything from racism, police brutality, the Vietnam situation, and organized crime. And they got... They got a lot of that right. They, the story is fantastic. It's not revolutionary. It's, it's cliche as hell. It's Godfather mixed with Scarface and all that shit. But it's a fantastic narrative, enjoyable for you know people who like stuff like Grand Theft Auto. But that's unfortunately where the enjoyment ends. Not actually. Let me rephrase that. It sort of ends because. Right. And it's funny, I you know I can quote one of my streaming friends saying, "It's it's not nineteen, it's not actually nineteen sixty eight, it's two thousand sixteen. Why can't I do this? Why can't I do that?" Two K Games is not you know is not Rockstar Games, but nope. they are both related under Take Two Entertainment. Right. Mafia Three, while it does a lot of things fantastic, there's a lot of simple things that. People who play, like, Grand Theft Auto are like, why isn't this in the game? It's like, why can this guy, why does this guy have trouble jumping a fence? <laughs> Simple things like that. Like, like, remember, you know, I love the infamous game. People were like, why the fuck can't this guy jump a fence? True. Why can't this guy, I mean, he, was, he had electrical power. That's why he can't swim, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, First world problems. There's a lot of technical issues with the game, which, you know, a lot of games come out and have technical issues, but Mafia 3 were, was heavily delayed. Well, like, you know, if I recall, that game was supposed to come out last year. King Jimmy said Godfather 2 was the best Mafia game ever made, and that's, that's definitely tough to argue. Godfather 2 was fucking bananas. No, I, I can't ar argue for or against, because unfortunately that was... Um, a time when I had to pay for all my games, so it was not a part of my collection. Yeah, I, you know, you know, it was funny. Like we look at a lot of these games, especially those that are, you know, crime, crime type games, and everybody always looks at GTA as the gold standard. But even before GTA became the gold standard, there were a lot of fringe games or games that a lot of people slept on that were just as immersive. I mean, Mafia Three. To to you know, as a strength, it's definitely harnessing a lot of 
you know, the power, the horsepower to look the part. But obviously, I think gameplay elements definitely are going to suffer. Does that mean that those gameplay elements will be resolved in future updates? Who knows? But it's funny because, you know, King Jimmy made an interesting assessment. He said games nowadays are either 100 bucks or 40 If you're because if you're getting a game for 60, you know, you're going to buy the season pass. And as terrible as it is to say, that is the case more times than I care to admit, unless you wait for, for, you know, the game of the year edition, which I believe wasn't, didn't you, didn't you uh, say that the Witcher, you know, was worth picking up as game of the, for game of the year edition for that exact reason. The Witcher was, let me put it to you this way. The Witcher 3 was worth getting the Game of the Year edition that had everything built in. Right. But then again, The Witcher 3 was worth, <clears throat> excuse me, on its original launch date, paying 60 bucks and paying the 25 for the, the expansion pass. If you paid 85 bucks for that, even though you didn't get everything for maybe a year later, you still got your money's worth. You got your money's worth no matter what you paid for Witcher 3. Okay. On that note, I wouldn't recommend buying the the um, the um, season pass for Mafia Three because, like I said, Mafia Three is a great game. Would I pay sixty bucks for it? No. In fact, I'm planning on waiting till Black Friday to buy it because I very much want to play that game. It looks great. I love the character of Lincoln Play, and you know a lot of the characters that surround him. But the game is. Not broken, right? but it's got cracks in it. It's got a lot of cracks in it. Well, I know you've been playing, you were playing Tomb Raider, and your review is on, your assessment is on RageWorks.net. Um, and Rich is jumping the gun. I am. I am, <laughs> jump, I am jumping no, the gun. I gotta, I gotta mess with you. I, I, I am jumping yeah, the gun, yeah, but, I gotta, but I gotta also acknowledge that experience. Because Tomb Raider, which was a game that already was out, Got a got you know released on the PS4, chock full of stuff, and a lot of people are saying they're like fuck you know they, they I think it was worth picking up because of that and this is where the whole you know game of the year edition complete edition X Y Z edition comes into play because you know I talked about this with Mortal Kombat which you know that everybody went they got it like I paid for some of the characters because I wanted those characters. Did, should I have waited for the season for, you know, for the for the complete edition? Sure. And I've said this, you know, I've said this numerous times, but I wanted to play it at that moment. You didn't want to wait. Right. And that's, and that's acceptable. Exactly. And that's what happens. You know, it's either you want to wait because you don't give a shit and you and you want to save a couple of shekels or you, you want to dive in and pay that money. And to King Jimmy said, Mortal Kombat X was a robbery. Yes, the fuck it was, because as soon as they started cranking out every I'm like, uh, I'm like, really, you want another ten dollars for Leatherface and X, Y, Z character or you want another like I understood if they were doing the first crop of characters and then whatever they were going to keep releasing them. But, dude, it, it was like, hey, the game's but we'll give you this character for five bucks. I'm like, yeah, the like what I ended up doing was I bought Jason, the Predator. You know, because those are characters I wanted to play as. But after a while, I, I, I didn't even bother getting the rest of the characters because I said, I can get the, the, the game of the year edition. Don't get me wrong. You know, shame on me for spending the money, but I wanted to play as those characters, like I said. 
you know, and it's funny, you guys reference Injustice, same thing. It's like there's certain characters I wanted to play as. And I'm like, all right, do I want to pay for this character? And when it was all said and done, I think maybe I bought two characters that I really, really, really wanted to play. But when they were turning around like, oh, you could buy fucking Scorpion. Why? <laughs> why do I, Why would I want to do that? Why? Better question, why the fuck is Scorpion not included? But that's the kind of shit I'm saying. Like, it's oh, always... Well, you said for Injustice. I'm sorry. Yeah, for Injustice where, you know, you got to buy... Like, hey, one of the, the, the bonus characters is going to be Scorpion. And you could buy him for... Really? Who gives a fuck? Like, that, that just didn't make any sense to me. Like, if you would have told me, hey, you know, one of the characters is going to be, a, you know, Ragman from Batman or something, something different, you know? But it's like, hey, we're going to give you Scorpion. I mean, even the WWE 2K17 season pass, you know, there's so much shit on there that I look at and I'm like, all right, I kind of get it. But then there's some shit that I'm like, really? I got to pay to get this this one character? Are you kidding me? Oh, Shinsuke Nakamura's D. De- what? <laughs> get the fuck out of here. Exactly. It's, it's, it's a, it's that's, a. That's going back to. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was saying that's going back to things that King Jimmy was saying in the in the chat. He mentioned that season passes sell you on shit you don't even want, and a lot of times that is true. There are exceptions, like I said. There's the expansion pass for Witcher Three. There's also the um, what the fuck was the official name of it? The Airland and Sea expansion pack for for um, Just Cause Three, which individually. Those packs were not worth it. They were twelve bucks each, so you would have paid thirty six for all three. But it's twenty five for the pass, and like I said, individually those those DLC chapters were not anything special, right? But all together, put it together, and it was a nice add on to the the main game, which was you know fun as hell because it's just mindless, mindless, mindless violence, but you got a bunch of extra weapons that made the violence that much more mindless and you could take it into the main game. Right. Because, you know, a lot of times you'll get DLC and you can only use it on those DLC chapters. That's not the case with that. So in that sense, especially now that you can freaking get a game like Just Cause 3 dirt cheap, even though the expansion pass is still probably 25 bucks, you can probably get the whole thing for less than 60 bucks if you put them together well i got i got you have no god i'll let you finish and then i'll I'll ask the question go ahead then you have oh no i was gonna actually move into a different uh slightly different subject on the same topic so if you had a question go ahead yes my question and i'm curious to see what what can you give me three games that were improved with the season pass and that were worth the value three games yeah just just three i know you're probably going to say witcher but i mean that's what i'm saying is i have i have two already but i i'm (laughs) I'm like scraping for the third i mean it's like it's like what you and king jimmy said it's like season passes sell you on things you don't even want right like I gotta the, say, the only thing, the, the reason why it goes over, I mean, one because people just run out and buy it and don't even think about it. But a lot of times there'll be one thing in there that you do want, and right. you, you're trying to weigh the cost of how much that one piece of DLC by itself is versus buying the season pass, and you, you want to just saying fuck it. Well, 
the reason I'm saying this is because, and you know, I play my fair share of games, and there's certain things that I feel DLC wise that it's just like, like, I, like map packs. And I think it's just because I don't play first person shooters often. I always feel that map packs are the biggest fuck you to gamers out of all the DLC shit. I mean, levels and characters are definitely there, but fucking map packs. Like, oh, you like playing multiplayer with a bunch of your friends or shooting people online? Well, we're going to give you extra backyards to play in, but you got to pay for them. Like, I just, it just doesn't compute for me. Map packs are bullshit for one reason, which, which is just a glaring, like, shame on you to every company that's ever ever released a map pack and that's Grand Theft Auto 5. Yep. Because yeah, they do charge you for the shark cards which basically are paying money to get in-game money. Right. But every piece of DLC that's ever come out for that game to this day they are still making DLC for that game. Everything since 2013 has been free. And yeah, those shark cards are paying for that, but they still aren't charging you for the DLC. And a lot of the DLC for Grand Theft Auto 5, well, really for Grand Theft Auto Online, has been very good. It's been very enjoyable, but it wouldn't necessarily have been worth paying for. Well, you have, they started with like holiday themed stuff, like when, right, right, right. Ridiculous as it sounds, when Christmas came around in 2013, <laughs> I remember that snow in California. You had fucking snowmen, and you actually were throwing snowballs at people. You're having snowball fights. You had Christmas trees, and then the hackers got wind of that, and freaking six months later in July, you got Christmas trees flying around. But um, it's like you you get backpacks in essence because they did something very simple. They made a level creator and put it in the hands of everybody, whether they were PS3, 360, PS4, Xbox One, or PC. Everybody had the ability to make their own levels. Right. And that's essentially, even though it's not um, adding areas, that is still essentially, you know, a, a level designer and, and People were instituting their own map packs. Some people made they, there's on I know on PS4 <clears throat> there's a freaking Bomberman level. <laughs> I mean, really, it, it, it's just like a a bunch of walls put together to make like a Pac-Man maze and you're throwing grenades at each other. But right. it's a Bomberman level. You know what I enjoyed, and and you know on the subject of DLC when they were doing Liberty City Stories, you know you had the Ballad of Gay Tony all that shit because those were just dedicated games in and of itself. And obviously they leveraged that into, you know, selling it as a bundle with all the stories. But I always felt that that was probably some of the better, the better stuff that I saw personally, because you could play all that shit and it was, you know, a dedicated campaign with its own set yeah, of challenges. You didn't have to have the, um, you didn't have to play the, the main game to start that up. Right. And and that was always cool, man. I was like, I was like, man, Rockstar, Rockstar. When it comes to that shit, obviously, you know, they're gonna find a way to milk you out of your money anyway. But I just felt that that was pretty. It was definitely something pretty impressive to see. That's for sure. Now, the other thing I did want to mention, and I only mentioned this because of the discussion we had during last week's show. Um, 
the new Pokemon Go update dropped and um you know yeah exactly so you know you can bring the six pokemon to battle at friendly gyms the cp of pokemon you're battling can be temporarily lowered they got rid of the uh the egg and incubator screens they're going to update periodically on their own without having to have you open and reclose or reopen and close the screens um the evolution times have been decreased and then they fixed some audio stuff um i know that you were you were annoyed about the 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 gimmick that they're using now but i'm actually you know i like the the more subtle stuff like the egg and incubator shit that shit was a pain in the fucking ass <laughs> oh how about the fact that uh pretty much i can't say worldwide but for pretty much everybody in new york city the game went down yesterday <laughs> i didn't and i didn't play it yesterday i, I mean enough. i know i know you don't get get into it that hard but 59th and 59th Avenue and sorry, 59th Street and 5th Avenue in Manhattan, also known as Grand Army Plaza, right outside of Central Park, is like a um, it's like mecca for Pokemon Go players. Right. Because first of all, you will find anywhere from 300 to over a thousand people there at a given time. Yes, they do, King Jimmy. And that spot right there, the there's like four or five. <clears throat> Pokey stops. <clears throat> excuse me, just sitting right there, all right next to each other, and they all have permanent lures activated. Jeez. So pretty much everything from you know obviously Pidgey and, and Rattata to Snorlax and Dragonite appear in that one spot. Damn! That you got to be there when it happens. Right. Literally everything that's available appears there. You know, everything that's legally available in the United States appears there. Right. But um, it's like anywhere from like 10 minutes to over an hour, the shit went down today, like completely. People could not log in. And it's like it. a lot of people were pissed because they're like, especially people in that area or people were traveling, people had activated things like lures, incense, lucky eggs. And see, these are things that cost real money. Right. You know, and one person, one person had to be a dick and was bragging about it. They're like, it, it sucks for all the people that missed out on the Snorlax that I just caught when the, when the thing was down. I'm like, really, guy? Well, you know, there's always going to be but one. It's like they, they do all this shit. And the whole point of all the updates right now, all Niantic is trying to do is keep people from creating tracker programs, which right. is a bunch of bullshit. Because they're not hurting anything. They're not taking any money out of Niantic's pocket. In fact, when the trackers are up, those those programs, which, yeah, are third-party programs, are essentially putting money in Niantic's pockets because they make more people play the shit. True. I, you know, I, I saw the updates, and like I said, I didn't play it yesterday. I've also been dealing with the uh, with the Note 7 issues, which I'm going to address real quick. And... Ugh. The the fact is that while I've played it, I've had a pretty, you know, I've had a pretty solid experience. My wife has been playing it more than I have, which is hilarious. But um, the thing the thing for me with this game is it is a casual game that's bringing in casual people and putting them onto a franchise that they have made. They may have never jumped into in the first place, which, again, I have no problem with that. The thing that gets me is that Nintendo goes and releases the band, which they put out nobody can get it now 
and it's going for hundreds of dollars on eBay. And I'm sure they're going to re-release it again during the holidays, but you could have taken more advantage and got better saturation from it had you put out enough of them when the shit first needed to be out. By the time it by the time they release it to to you know King Jimmy says people are still playing Pokemon Go question mark. It's true. It's like mobile gaming is very 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 finite in my in my opinion. Most games. Not to say that Pokemon Go can't continue to exist because they'll add more Pokemon, but just that mobile gaming like remember when everybody was playing, you know, um what was the game that you were you you'd have to you draw something and then you'd you'd have to see the other person figuring it out what the fuck was that called do you oh. remember that but that's what i mean like i know exactly what you're talking about i just can't think of a, the name like draw free or something yeah like like, that. like people were playing that people you know oh, the, the the candy crush days all that shit and that's exactly what happens everybody gets draw something thank you king jimmy draw exactly something. but that's what i mean people it was it was popping for for a while and everybody, everybody was playing it and then all of a sudden gone you know in the words of the joker it's gone and that's what it was like it happened all the time <laughs> what's that game where you draw something exactly that's exactly it <laughs> oh man i should definitely kick my kick myself right in the dick for that <laughs> but that's what i mean like you see that you see a lot of those games they become pop culture for five minutes and then they're gone. We've seen this even going back as far as when Facebook was heavy into the games. Remember everybody was playing Farmville and Yoville and all this shit. Now it's like what? Now I get a game invite and the first thing I tell I tell somebody is the fuck wrong with you sending me this. <laughs> True. People always threaten the freaking cut people for their friends list if they send them invites. Well, you know what it is? It's, it's because, you know, you know, Facebook is weird because you try and keep your Facebook fairly quiet as a person. You know, you go, you pop in, you read some stuff, you go to some groups, you know, you creep on, you, you know, you creep on people's pages, you keep it moving. Then you got one person who decided, oh, shit, I can play games on this while I'm at work. And before you know it, you get 17 invites for somebody that needs candy or coins for Candy Crush. I'm like, what the? This shit is who's playing this or it's like, do you want to play? Do you want to play slots with, you know, Bob Smith? No, I don't want to play slots with Bob Smith. He can go fuck himself. (laughs) Like, I don't want to do that shit, man. And that's that's the thing. It's like, you know, you're not taking advantage. Like the best example was Angry Birds. Angry Birds got to the point where they created spinoffs of the game that were just as engaging as the fucking original game. Dude, they even did that Transformers spinoff. Fuck, I played it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But does anybody give a shit about Angry Birds now? No. But Rovio got fucking paid. Shout out to, to Marco in the chat. You got a fan from Abu Dhabi in the house. Literally from Abu Dhabi. I'm not making a joke. No, I see it. Shout out to Marco who just joined us. But that's what I mean. Like, you look at these mobile games and... In in Niantic's case, you have a game that can that can live on, that can exist longer than the usual gaming shelf life, you know. And instead of trying to do more to keep You're it out there, right, dude? How many Pokemon uh, are we up to at this point? Because you 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 know you play the shit more than me. How many are there now currently? Currently, this month there are about seven hundred and twenty-one. Next month there'll be over eight hundred. Okay, so. 
the fact is that we're approaching roughly 800, you know, pocket monsters, quote unquote, which obviously is a euphemism for a penis, but that's a different joke. <laughs> um, the fact is 800 of them. There's a hundred, there's 150 in the game, right? Or 151 with, with Mewtwo, right? There's 151 in the first series. And supposedly the rumor is that the Johto series, which would, update to the game in March of 2017 but the antic with their their antics (laughs) fucking pun intended there you go they're never gonna fucking make it to Johto because they're burying their own game that's it see that and that's exactly what I'm saying it's like you plug the band everybody plugs the band um you know you you're able to you're you're able to pick up the band and and fuck around with the game and then oh we're gonna put the game on the Apple Watch that's great but if the, but if you can't even get half of the shit that you want at this point I, I gotta be honest the thing that gets people into the games are the kids parents hop on board because they see their kids playing it and you're not gonna go and buy your kid a four hundred dollar Apple Watch you know what I mean. Especially not when you can buy them a thirty-five dollar band. Exactly, but guess what? You can't even find it, and if you do, you got to go on eBay and spend a hundred dollars or seventy-five dollars. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure they're going to re-release the band, even though the guy in GameStop was like, "No, man, it was only for pre-orders, and if you didn't pre-order it, you're not going to get it." I'm like, I doubt that very much. Case in point, the Amiibos that were discontinued, that were on sale at Best Buy, that we talked about. I don't know last week. Fucking game stuff. There you go. But um, aside from that, is there? Uh, did you have any other gaming stuff to add? Yeah, a couple of things. First, um, like you said earlier, that my um, review for Rise of the Tomb Raider is on um, on RaiseWorks.net right now. Uh, King Jimmy had mentioned earlier that no game is worth sixty bucks, and I was saying that I disagree with him. Okay, Rise of the Tomb Raider came out. I think last last November for the Xbox One, and there was the the rumor at the time that it was the Xbox One exclusive. Then that right. got debunked that it was just the timed exclusive. And as soon as I heard that, I said that, and I, like I said, not as a, a PS4 fanboy or somebody that doesn't like Xbox, I said that it sucks that it's a timed exclusive, but it's not us, the you know, PS4 owners that it sucks for, it sucks for the Xbox One people. I said this before the game even came out, and what happened? The game was broke as shit. Right. Like, it would freeze up for people. I saw this one dude who was really pissed because he was at the end of the game, and a bug hit that prevented him from, from beating it. Oh, there you go. I mean, here's, here's the... It, it came out in January for PC. It was better but it still was broken. still a little bit messed up because it wasn't working with, with, with GPUs. Right. So people couldn't even take advantage of the PC's power and and make it look better in 4K and all kinds of shit. Then before the announcements came out, I was like, watch. The game is coming out a year later, and I guarantee you that Square Enix is going to want to charge $60 for it. In order to do that, they're going to basically have to give us any any DLC that's come out, which as soon as I saw the Baba Yaga thing, is like watch that be on the game and anything else that comes out. 
Right. They finally announced it. Rise of the Tomb Raider, 20 years celebration edition, because, what is it, 11 days from now is Lara Croft's 20-year 20 20 birthday. The, um, the first Tomb Raider came out October 25th, 1996. This version has the original game, the Baba Yaga DLC, the new um, uh, Blood Ties and Lara's Nightmare DLC, the, all the shit in Cross Manor. It's like it has, they, the Square Enix says a minimum of 50 hours total of gameplay if you play everything. Wow. The game has a ridiculous 125 trophies, including the platinum in it. It's like what game, even after all this DLC, hits 100 fucking trophies? You know you're going to get them. Don't talk shit. <laughs> I'm trying. I mean, you, you see me playing the hell out of it. But I'm like, this game, yes, we had to wait a year for it. But this game for PS4 is worth $60. Right. It has its issues because I still can't connect to the Square Enix, uh, Square Enix site through the game to do whatever. But right. That's a whole other issue. And anybody who's watched the stream, which I thank you for, it seems for some reason when you first start the game to crash just about every time. But then you start it over and it, it plays. Right. But it only crashes when you try to start it. Once you get the game going, there's no problems. Like, the game plays smoothly. All that shit that I was saying about Mafia 3, about animation issues and stuff like that, they're not there. The game, it's like the game wants you to kick the shit out of every everything in your path. It does everything, even on the harder levels, to basically give you the ability to do that. It even tells you, like, because you, you know how, like, you know, you're playing a game, you think you're doing well, and, like, you might jump off of something and, oh, shit, something tears you apart? Yep. No. Tomb Raider doesn't do that. If you're about to get fucked up, it starts playing some re really heavy drums, like jungle drums and shit. Like, they coming <laughs> for your ass. Like, you'll hear it light, and then if something dangerous gets closer to you, whether it be humans or a pack of fucking wolves, yes, packs of wolves will come after you, or a fucking bear, because I had to kill a bear more than once. Them drums get really heavy like some Bugs Bunny jungle music shit. And so, you better watch out right there, because last night after I stopped the stream, that shit happened. I thought it was just telling me that there was some deer under me, because it'll do that sometimes for non-threatening animals. No, a fucking leopard was under me. Oh, good times. And I had, I had never even seen that thing. Before. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> but that game, like, anybody who's playing it, aside from the issues with if you want to stream through your PS4, it's locking it at 360p, which it'd be nice if somebody at Crystal Dynamics got back to me about that. But again, another issue. Well, you know, aside from there, there are, like I said, there's always going to be some issues, but there's nothing that takes away from the enjoyment of the game once it gets going. Gotcha. Nothing that I've seen. And I've, you know, I've, I've been playing it for. A, a good amount now. Every day you see the stream, and after the show ends, if anybody is in the chat or anybody listening, they, the stream will start again this evening. Right. So if you want to see me kill another leopard, because <laughs> I'm going to have to do that, 
then tune in for the stream. But yeah, that it's it's like Square Enix has been knocking it out of the park this year, and um, Rise of the Tomb Raider is another one. The hey. um, the one other thing I wanted to mention, which is also Square Enix news, is that uh, Hitman is coming out with its eleventh elusive target tomorrow. So Uh-oh. definitely look to make works for that because I will be posting my video of that motherfucker getting shot or stabbed or poisoned or... Garot wire, man. Garot wire. I'm a big fan of the piano wire. We'll see. Love piano wire. (laughs) And on on Halloween, Agent 47 will be headed to Hokkaido to finish up season one of Hitman. Nice. The end of the first season, which is called... The the mission is called Cytus and Versus, will take place in Hokkaido, Japan, in a technologically advanced hospital and you know you definitely can head to rageworks.net to see one me getting shot and killed repeatedly on the first (laughs) day when i did a live stream and then you know a bunch of videos after that where i shoot and kill everybody in sight as revenge i think the best was you pulling the lady over the railing No, not pulling the lady over the railing. You hanging over the railing after throwing a knife at her, and you're like, oh, shit, and you just run out of the room. <laughs> I laughed for like 10 minutes. Mind you, I'm editing the show, and I'm like, look at this fucking guy. This is the kind of stuff you got to look forward to, folks. A, I didn't think I was going to make it out of that one. That was, that was one of my worst runs to Gary Busey. Yeah, it was, it was, it was fun, man. It was, it was definitely fun. Uh, one thing I wanted to add before we wrap up the gaming segment and switch gears, I got to say this. Um, you know, I got a couple of gaming headsets here. I want to give them away. Uh, keep an eye out either on our YouTube channel, social media, or on the site for giveaways. I got a lot of stuff here that I got to finish reviewing, and I'm going to give it away. And we're talking brand new headsets. Well, not brand new ones. Obviously, we unbox them, but gently opened and touched headsets for ps4 xbox one um we we are reviewing a a, a rig uh for vr headset for playstation vr and i would love to give it away but unfortunately uh the company that sent it to us gave us a big no-no for that but we are working with them to see if we can get one that we can give away for you guys so keep an eye out for that anything else you wanted to add my friend um, no, not that I can think of. All right. Well, thank you for the assist, my like friend. I said, if anybody wants to join the stream, it starts after my take radio goes off the air. There you go, ladies and gents. And make sure if you haven't subscribed, throw Slick a sub. He will appreciate it greatly. Thanks for the assist, homie. All right. I'll check you later. Peace. Peace. All right. That was our very own Slick giving me the assist on this week's gaming segment. We're going to switch gears and jump into um, some entertainment stuff. Let's get to it. So I want to open up with uh, one of the first things, which is a brand new casting announcement for Marvel's Black Panther film. Um, There's a couple of notable actors and actresses that were announced for the film. But the first one I got to talk about is Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker, uh, one of the newest heavy hitters 
on the acting scene to be involved with the Black Panther film. He's going to be playing an elder statesman of Wakanda named Zuri. Um, Daniel Kaluuya will be playing T'Challa's confidant Wakabi. And um, Florence Kasumba, who we all saw in Captain America Civil War, will be reprising her role as Io, um, who was obviously the bodyguard for Black Panther. Uh, really great casting additions. I mean, Forrest Whitaker alone is enough to, you know, definitely get pique my interest. I mean, you know, we saw the new Star Wars Rogue One trailer today, which looked pretty badass. And, you know, I like I'm a, I'm a fan of Forrest Whitaker. I have a soft spot for Ghost Dog Way of the Samurai. Don't shoot me, folks. I enjoyed it. But um, looking forward to seeing him mix it up with uh, Chadwick Boseman, Michael B. Jordan, and some of the other great actors and actresses that are involved on this project. I think Black Panther uh, is going to do for the Marvel Cinematic Universe what Luke Cage has been doing for the Netflix side of things. It's going to raise a lot more awareness. Uh, Jimbo Slice and I were talking about this um, on the variant issue. You know, Black Panther has become uh, super popular thanks to Captain America Civil War. And I got to stress this a lot. If you appreciate Black Panther, you like what he stands for, you're a fan of the character, please support the medium. Please buy the comics, uh, show your support for the character so that they can do more with the character. One of the things we we touched on dur- during our episode of The Variant Issue was exactly that. You know, Everybody's buying Black Panther stuff now because he's cool, and five years ago, Black Panther monthly series were canceled left and right because of lack of interest. And this is one of those things that I got to put out there. People want to see it. You want to see these characters. You want to see them uh, in other films. You want to you want to help their popularity. The best way to do that, guys, is by picking up merch, um, buying books, keeping that character out there. Because it took a lot of work to get Black Panther on the big screen. And if people want to see the character succeed, they got to support more than just the films. The films are only part of it. And I say this with everything. That's why, you know, I go to the theater, I support the film, I buy the Blu-rays if I enjoy them, I read the comics. Uh, Not as much now. I'm not purchasing comics now because my collection grew out of control. But, you know, you definitely got to support the medium, support what goes into getting that character to the big screen because that's that's what got him there. You know, and I got to I cannot stress that enough. Everybody was, oh, you know, Black Panther is going to be dope. It's going to be great. It took a it was a long road to get here and it can only it can only continue if you guys support the medium. So I got to put that out there, uh, you know, doing my my due diligence, not only for the the comic properties, but also for the characters themselves, because the Guardians of the Galaxy, everybody was so apprehensive about the film, including me, because I only read a handful of their books and they were OK. And Guardians of the Galaxy ranks up there, you know, as one of my top 10 favorite films. There was so much that was great about it. There were so many great moments that, you know, now it's like, you know, I have Rocket Raccoon, I have Groot, you know, I have the pops for those characters. I have certain things for those characters because I became a fan, you know, the the film helped move that along. And I've been reading comic books for a long time. So again, you know, I cannot stress it enough. Please support the medium, please. All right. On the box office side of things, it was pretty quiet at the box office this past weekend. The Girl on the Train came in at number one, $24.7 million. Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children was number two, uh, up to $51.1 million so far with the additional $15 million that it earned. 
Uh, Deepwater Horizon was number three. The Magnificent Seven still in the top five in the number four slot. $9.2 million. It's brought its total to $75.9 million. Uh, Storks was number five. Birth of a Nation came in at number six. Middle School, The Worst Years of My Life was seven. Sully was eight. Masterminds was nine. And The Queen of Katwe was number 10. I'm hoping, hoping, hoping to get to the theater this weekend to check out Ben Affleck and The Accountant. That movie looks fucking bananas. On top of the fact that I like the story and Ben Affleck in those really weird, quirky roles sometimes just knocks it out of the park. So I'm, I'm going to give it a shot and check it out. If I do see it this weekend, look for the review on RageWorks.net and, of course, a five-minute movie review on the next episode of MTR. Now... New York Comic Con is behind us now. Jimbo Slice and I talked about it on the variant issue, but a lot of news came out of New York Comic Con. Obviously, we saw trailer for John Wick, uh, the new trailer for Iron Fist, which looks fucking dope. Um, you know, we saw the teaser trailer for Power Rangers. There was a lot of good stuff that came out of there. But one particular announcement that got my attention was a brand new Spider-Man animated series, which is going to be airing on Disney XD in 2017. I'm not shocked about this at all because obviously the, the solo Spider-Man film is on deck. So obviously a new cartoon, new toys, merchandising, merchandising are the name of the game. The brand new series um, obviously will follow after Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man, which is going to have Peter Parker, you know, Spider-Man graduating. And then the new series will be Marvel's Spider-Man, which will continue those adventures, obviously, with Peter Parker out of school. Again, that new series starts in 2017. Now, I'm going to date myself with the next bit of news, but um, interesting piece out of Deadline that HBO is going to be bringing back Fraggle Rock as a digitally remastered HD version of the classic series. Now, as of right now, it hasn't been confirmed if it's going to be airing specifically on the HBO channels or if it's going to be an on-demand uh you know an on-demand type of a situation with it airing on HBO Go or HBO Now I watched Fraggle Rock a lot when I was a kid it was crazy it, I always ended up watching it in an emergency room because I used to have really bad asthma when I was a kid so I'd end up in the hospital pretty frequently when I was really young and Fraggle Rock would be playing um you know, it, it aired from 83 to 87, and I think I started watching it casually when I was going between five and six and a little bit at age seven when we had HBO. It was a wild show, and I'm curious to see what they do with it. It's definitely a classic, and um, I'm willing to check it out. That's for sure. Um, King Jimmy says, I heard the new Spider-Man is a reboot cartoon. According to Marvel's press release, um, the new animated series will be premiering, like I said, in 2017. But what they added was that Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man will culminate in January 2017 with the two-part finale, Graduation Day. Then Marvel Spider-Man is going to follow the story that has to figure out, which is weird, because if if Spider-Man, if Ultimate Spider-Man is ending with Graduation Day and this new Spider-Man is a reboot, it's just it's just weird the way they're doing it. But I want to try and get some more information only because the press release that they put out for it was, to King Jimmy's point, a little vague. Based on what I saw, it looks like Marvel's Spider-Man will pick up 
as the next part of the series with Ultimate Spider-Man now being over. Now, you know, with what King Jimmy's saying about it being a reboot, it raises an interesting question. So hopefully by the time we get back on air, uh, not next week, the week after, I can get some additional info because the press release I got from Marvel made it seem like it was going to be a new series but would follow after Ultimate Spider-Man. But I'll dig a little deeper and I'll have an update for you guys hopefully by the next episode. Disney continues their live action attack with all their animated classics being done in as live action films. We've seen it with the Jungle Book. As I mentioned during last week's show, we're going to see it with the Lion King, but it doesn't end there. Uh, they are going to be doing an, a live action version of Aladdin as well. Obviously, we've already seen Cinderella, The Jungle Book, Pete's Dragon. We got Beauty and the Beast on deck, The Lion King, Mulan, and Dumbo. But it's not going to end there. We are also going to get a live action version of Aladdin. As I mentioned during last week's show, I was really impressed with what Disney did with The Jungle Book. So, you know... I'm definitely going to check out The Lion King when it comes out. The Lion King is one of my favorite Disney films of all time, uh, followed by a close second by Fantasia, which I really enjoyed, especially Night on Bald Mountain, uh, one of my favorite shorts from that film. Um, I got to say, I'm curious with Guy Ritchie at the helm. Um, He did a really good job with Sherlock Holmes with both films. I enjoyed The Man from UNCLE. I thought that movie was incredibly underrated and surprisingly dope. But um, I'm curious to see what he does with Aladdin, man. It, it might it might be pretty badass. I got to give you guys an update on the Predator movie. Last time I mentioned the film, Benicio Del Toro was going was pretty much a lock to be the lead actor in the film. And there were rumors that Arnold Schwarzenegger would be involved in this upcoming film. But unfortunately, the Hollywood Reporter actually broke a story that Benicio Del Toro is no longer involved with the project and the new actor that will be replacing him is an actor by the name of Boyd Holbrook. Um, one of the biggest problems to you know with locking down Benicio del Toro was his schedule. So you know the production of the film moved around to accommodate him, but the scheduling became a problem, and he had to withdraw from the project. So Benicio del Toro will no longer be the lead in the upcoming Predator film directed by Shane Black. Next bit of news on the small screen side of things. I talked about the Lethal Weapon series on Fox being surprisingly decent. Uh, As many of you know, previous episodes of My Take Radio, I panned the entire concept because I felt it was just not going to translate well to TV. And I admit when I'm wrong, and I got to say that there was, they did a really decent job with the Lethal Weapon series and Fox has agreed to actually get a full season order. In other words, uh, original they were originally scheduled to have 13 episodes. They ordered an additional five, which is going to have the series with a total of 18 episodes. It's been doing very well in the 18 to 49 demographic, and it is ranked the number three new drama for Fox. Uh, you know, Fox has been really weird with their programming lately. I was really digging Sleepy Hollow and with the recent changes to the casting and and the new direction for the series, I'm not 100% sure I'm going to stick around with the series, even though I did enjoy it, but I will give it a shot. Lethal Weapon, same thing. I went in genuinely expecting it to suck, and I was pleasantly surprised with a lot of the stuff that they did. Um, 
I feel Damon Wayans, I was like, damn, Damon Wayans isn't that old. And he, he has good chemistry. He has good chemistry with the actor that plays Riggs. And I was, I was blown. I wasn't blown away because it was super impressive, but I was blown away because it, it maintained a lot of the key core elements that made it a good, that made Lethal Weapon such a good film to begin with. A lot of that, that magic is there. Obviously, you're not going to get, we're not too old for this shit, obviously, but you're, de- we're definitely going to get a lot of the fun craziness that we've seen in the Lethal Weapon films already and they've done a solid job with it again this is one of those those shows and i gotta say it honestly this is one of those shows where if you miss an episode a week you know a week here a week there you're not gonna miss too much because it's pretty it's pretty much a procedural with a new case excuse me for Riggs and murtaugh every week so it, it check it out i'd love to hear your thoughts on it like i said it's a it's a pretty fun show you know, do I see it going five, six, seven, eight seasons? I don't think so. I think this is going to be one of those things where the cases are going to keep people, you know, hooked in and the craziness and the chemistry between Damon Wayans and, you know, the the other actor. That's that's going to be a big part of it. If that falls apart, the series is going to definitely be short lived. Now, last bit of entertainment news I want to talk about revolves around it revolves around Netflix. As many of you guys know, Netflix has slowly, you know, positioned itself as a pretty good competitor to a lot of the 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 offerings on cable and broadcast television. Uh Netflix has had a slew of good stuff um but it's one of those things where they you know, they they they're continuing to improve their offerings. Well, the next bit of news is going to be crazy. Because Chris Rock is bringing his stand-up to Netflix. Um, According to a piece that was put out by The Hollywood Reporter, Chris Rock is going to be doing two new comedy specials specifically for Netflix and is being paid $40 million for both of those. Um, This is going to be Chris Rock's first stand-up in eight years with one taping next year after a world tour and then the following one, obviously, shortly after. From what's been said, um, I got to say, seeing seeing Netflix pay Chris Rock 40 million dollars for two stand up specials is insane, not because Chris Rock doesn't deserve the money or doesn't need the money, but just the fact that Netflix has positioned itself in such a strong, you know, in such a strong market, being able to to capture, you know, stuff like this and deliver great programming. I mean, their relationship with Marvel has been amazing and all their, a lot of their original shows have been out of this world. You know, we talk about Narcos, we talk about, you know, Stranger Things, which Jimbo Slice recommended highly. There's Netflix is definitely stepping their game up and making it, you know, making a compelling case for people that are looking to cut the cord and, you know, are afraid to do so. I, I'm, I'm, I was blown away when I read that. King Jimmy says lethal weapon is still on the air, but fucking limitless was canceled. Fuck that. Um, you know, what was funny. I got to say, I didn't give limitless a chance at first because I really thought that while the movie was, was decent, I wasn't sure it would work as a TV series. And again, I was wrong. I was fucking wrong. It was, it, it's pretty solid. They did a good job with it. I was really hoping that, that Limitless would be picked up by like Netflix or, or a cable channel like the USA Network, 
just because it had potential. I mean, we're getting a fucking show based on Shooter, you know, the Mark Wahlberg film where he played a sniper. Did does that move does that movie need a television series? No. But, you know, I've been I've been proven wrong twice already, so I can't I can't shit on this stuff too badly. So, we'll see what happens. But in any case, that last bit of news regarding Chris Rock is going to wrap up the entertain the entertainment segment for this week. With that said, I've given you guys my take on gaming and entertainment. As always, I'd love to hear yours. Feel free to hit us up on social media. You can find us at RageWorks on Twitter, which is Rage underscore Works, or at My Take Radio, either one. If you're on Facebook, you can reach us two ways. Facebook.com forward slash official RageWorks to become a fan on the Facebook fan page. It will allow you to get all our content quickly and effortlessly through your usual Facebook news feed. And um, <laughs> the, I, the, the Note 7 stuff I'm going to share in a second. It's funny you, br- you brought that up. Thank you for, for mentioning it. Um, last but not least, of course, join the RageWorks Facebook group and um, interact with us there. And of course, you can find us also on Instagram, Snapchat, Pinterest, Google+, Punch in RageWorks, My Take Radio, you will find us. Now, as King Jimmy uh, promptly reminded me, I got I definitely want to share this Note 7 story before we close it out. So, as many of you know, the Note 7 was recalled for the second time, and I got to tell you, it breaks my fucking heart. <laughs> it breaks my heart, and I'll tell you why. I went to the Samsung announcement. I was there. I was in attendance. I messed around with the phone. I was blown away. I've been using Note devices since the first Note. So I had I had high hopes for this device. I bought it the day it came out, went in, got rid of my Note 5, grabbed the Note 7, super excited. All of a sudden, people's phones start catching on fire. People's shit starts getting burned, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And recall. So prior to the first recall, I had no problems with the phone. I think only once when I was uh, streaming something, it got a little warm, but not to the point where I'm like, holy shit, it's going to spontaneously combust. It didn't. Um, We ended up holding on to it until T-Mobile, which is my carrier, texted me and said, hey, you have essentially a bomb in your pocket. Bring it into the store and don't be a fucking chode about it and we'll give you a new phone. So October 21st, uh, note replacements were announced as being in stores. I went to my local T-Mobile store, grabbed my replacement phone, which had the little, the little black square on the box. I still have the box and um, had the green, ba- the, the green battery meter. Super excited about it. Everything was working fine. No problems. Um, ah, that's right. Sorry. That's right. August 21st. Thank you, Slick, for that correction. Um, August 21st, got my replacement, super pumped again, green battery meter, no problems. Didn't get hot. Zero issues. Zero. I didn't get any drop calls. My Wi-Fi was working September 21st. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that's right. That's right. September 21st. I'm looking at the calendar and I'm like, August 21st. No, September 21st. In any case, like I said, got the replacement. Everything was up and running. So Next thing you know, oh, phones are catching on fire. I, st- I laughed to myself and I said, 
and eh, maybe it's one or two of the old phones that were still out there. Of course, this guy was on an airline and he had a replacement phone. And Samsung, of course, wanted to take the phone and blah, blah, blah. And there were some shady text messages from Samsung that he inadvertently received. Uh, needless to say, the phone caught on fire on a fucking plane. And that right there, ladies and gentlemen, is automatic cease and desist. Because once it starts fucking around with air travel, you you got to ask yourself, is it worth the risk? In any case, next thing you know, everybody's talking about Note 7s, smoking, catching fire, et cetera, et cetera. Again, I was still standing standing tall. I'm not giving my phone in. It's fine. Unless there's a mandatory recall. Mandatory. Again, there hadn't been one yet. I'm like, I'm not giving my shit in. This all changed yesterday. I'll tell you why. I saw a video of someone who had a camera in their home, had their note on a table, not charging, just there, and the fucking thing caught fire. I was like, yeah, that's that right there was a big, 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 big stop for me. The fact that the phone is just casually on a table that it caught on fire. You know, it, it, it concerned me. Obviously, you know, my phone is in, is in my bedroom. I use a wireless uh, QI charger that I put my device on. You know, it's there. And I said to myself, I go to the gym late at night. My wife is sleeping upstairs. What if I'm gone and the phone catches on fire? Or what if I leave my phone in the studio and it catches on fire while I'm upstairs sleeping? Too many fucking variables. So that alone forced me to go to my local T-Mobile store and exchange my phone. Now, of course, as someone who's been a longtime Note user, I got to tell you, I used every feature, especially the pen. I took notes. I did a lot of stuff with it. It was it was a huge part of, of my process on, on a day-to-day basis. So once the phone caught fire, like I said, and I saw the video, I sent it to Slick. I, I, Slick saw it. Slick was like, shit, I got to fucking do that too because... Again, we're early adopters. It's part of the job. We're stuck. But I also feel that, you know, this is what happens when people want thinner phones and, you know, companies want to do non-removable batteries. There's huge risks when you do that. And even though a lot of companies are doing the closed the closed housing with the batteries built in, it's it's always been a point of concern for me personally. In any case, ended up getting a S7 Edge, which um, obviously was the closest thing to my to my note, and so far so good. Do I miss the pen? Absolutely, but the S7 Edge has been surprisingly well received by me. Now, a couple of things: when you returned your first Note device, Samsung was going to give you a twenty five dollar bill credit. Now. They are going to give you a $100 bill credit if you switch to another Samsung device. So if you have a Note phone, please, please, please don't play the role and keep the phone. Take the shit back. I'm serious. I got, no joke, from T-Mobile, two text messages today telling me to return the phone. And I'll read them to you guys just so you know. Samsung and the Consumer Product Safety Commission are advising to power down and return Note 7s due to safety concerns. Bring yours back to a T-Mobile store for a full refund. I received that text message Wednesday at 4.37 p.m. 
on my Galaxy S7 Edge. Today, Thursday, well, now Friday, Thursday night at 7.04, I received the following update. The Consumer Product Safety Commission announced a full recall on all versions of the Note 7 due to safety concerns. Bring yours to a T-Mobile store for a full refund immediately. So this is how serious it is. Now, like I said, Samsung is giving you guys money if you have a Note 7. If you're going to get another Samsung device, you're going to get a $100 credit on your bill. If, by chance, you are switching to a different device, you will get a $25 bill credit. And if you received your $25 credit when you replaced your first replacement, your first Note 7, you're going to get an additional $75 for replacing your second Note 7 with a Samsung device. Again, you're still going to get $100. If, again, this only applies if you're going to get another Samsung device. So, with that said, if you have a Note 7, I cannot stress it enough. Please, 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 don't try and be a Billy badass. Oh, it can't happen to me. Because I, I, I could walk out my door and say I'm not going to get hit by a car. It could happen. You know, just just don't do it. If you got kids in your house you know, things like that. Don't do it. And especially just out of respect to your fellow man, don't get caught out there. Don't because here's the, here's the funny thing. The, the guy at the, at the T-Mobile store, when he heard my, my tale of woe, he said, you know, you could go back to the note five. And I said, you know, you're right. I could, but here's the problem. And a buddy of mine who had a, had a note five said the exact same thing. He said, when you get on a plane now, the first thing they tell you is if you have a Samsung Note, not a Note 7, a Samsung Note, please power down your device. The reason I say this is because the Note name now has this negative stigma. So you went from, you know, just the Note 7 to where it's the Note. So please just, just don't do it. Don't do it to yourselves. Like I said, the the, the, air, the airlines are saying it like, oh, if you got a Note 7, or a, or a note phone, you got to power it off. They won't let you even put it in your, in your check bag. It has to be in your pocket and shut off. So that's the story with that. But again, if they wouldn't have sent out a, a full recall, I would have probably kept my phone. But when, like I said, the video of it just catching on fire and it wasn't doctored because it was somebody's, you know, internal footage in their house. I was like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good because it, it's not worth the risk. Like I said, I got kids in my house, my wife sleeps upstairs, and even though I'm downstairs late at night or at the gym or, or elsewhere, if I leave my phone in the house, you know, is it worth it for, for a fucking phone? Absolutely not. There's lots of alternatives out there. Our very own Slick is going to be picking up the Google Pixel. Uh, some people I know are switching to iPhones. I almost went back to Apple and got an iPhone 7 Plus, but that shit is back ordered till November. Damn you, Apple fans. And I didn't feel like waiting for an LG V20 because it's not scheduled to come out till the end of the month. And like I said, I had to return the phone because I just didn't want it in my house. So there you have it, ladies and gents. That is my tale of woe uh, regarding the Note 7. Uh, shout out to King Jimmy for reminding me to share that with you guys. Please, I can't stress it enough, guys. If you have this phone, take it back. Lots of YouTube uh, vloggers and reviewers that have you know, said great things about the Note 7, have all released videos, you know, uh, MKHD, MKDHD, um, Marquise Brownlee, I always fuck up his uh, his YouTube channel, Marquise Brownlee, 
He did a video. He's like, listen, take the shit back. And he even provided five replacement phones uh, that you should consider. Uh, please just just don't do it, man. It's not worth it. And you know it's serious when the post office, because even the mailman in my building told me uh, this afternoon, we were talking about the phones because he's a, he's a gearhead, he's a gadget head like me. He said the post office doesn't even want us to take the phones back. But, you know, they're actually sending people fireproof boxes to set to ship their phones back, even though they would prefer you just go to your local retailer. But if you have to send it out, they're giving you fireproof boxes. This is how serious it is. Samsung is going to lose a fuckload of money and all the phones got to be destroyed. And, you know, obviously they're going to take all the valuable components out of it. But like King Jimmy said, I, I almost feel that the next Samsung phone is probably going to have a removable battery. And I know everybody's like, oh, but, you know, it's it's not going to be waterproof. I don't give a shit. I'd rather the phone not be waterproof and the shit not catch on fire. Because guess what? We didn't have waterproof phones for the longest time and nobody died. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, that's my rant on that. As I said before, look for us on social media at Rage underscore works on Twitter at my take radio on Twitter as well. Become a fan on Facebook. Look for RageWorks the group. Join it, interact, converse. Let us know what you think. And I will see you guys not next week, but the following week, which will be uh, October 26 at 11.30 p.m. Eastern, 8.30 p.m. Pacific for the MMA and wrestling edition of my take radio. And of course, the following Thursday, which will be the 27th, for the gaming and entertainment edition. On behalf of myself, Slick, and the rest of the RageWorks crew, thank you guys for joining me for this episode of MTR. I will see you guys in, I guess, two weeks. All right, guys. Peace. I'm rich, bitch! Rock on, folks!